Bench Racing Radio. Bench Racing Radio. The podcast with your hosts, Eric Gio and Anthony Leake. How's it going, Anthony? It's going great. How about you, Eric? Living the dream, buddy. We're uh, flipping the days off the calendar. We're getting closer and closer to race season. So, You know, this is the time of the year when I get looking at the weather forecast every three hours just to make sure that the temperature is going to get warmer like it's supposed to. <laughs> you're uh, you're using the long ranger on the weather channel. Yeah, I don't trust after seven days, but you know, you you kind it's hopeful. It's like that uh, the commercial or the little thing that Rick Mercer did a few <laughs> years ago day. on the seven day. Hey, look, <laughs> seven day plus one. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god, I gotta wash the car. <laughs> day seven's always such a tease. Oh, it sure is. But you know, it's, they get more, it's getting more and more accurate all the time, at least looking at the trends. Like you can really see, you know, like an eight, nine, 10 day kind of trend. Like for example, you can see, you know, these, the, the humps and the drops between cold fronts moving through or a snow system and then cold fronts moving through up to seven to 10 days. And and it's actually quite accurate if you keep an eye on it throughout a period of time. Not if you just kind of went off on it. And for me, I've always I've always been a weather kind of person. In fact, I thought about becoming a meteorologist when I was uh, doing my uh, University One entrance into uh, at the University of Manitoba. And then after I finished my physical geography section, they said I had to take things like physics. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm done. No, I'll just do physical geography. I just so I can do the basic stuff. I wanted to be able to wear a green <laughs> so jacket can... and make my torso disappear. Yeah, I mean, I know I can, I can, I mean, meteorologists obviously do more than just look at a screen on the far end or have a green screen behind them. But when it, when it comes to, you know, reading, you know, bare environment Canada maps and and understanding high and low pressure systems and how things move around and, and so on, you know, those things really pique my interest. And so it kind of, it's useful as, as a racetrack promoter. So that's that helps a lot, but at the same time, I'm just I'm really interested in it and fascinated by it as well. Yeah, you know my uh, my pilot buddy turned me on to a website that uh, super handy. It's uh, what they do. They take all eight of the like. There's eight major forecasting models that they use in North America, and they uh, they plot them all together on the okay. same chart. So you can see when there's convergence, when they're all predicting the same kind of thing. You have a pretty good idea that they're all in agreement that generally this thing's going to happen. But then as weather gets more erratic or as the timeline moves out, the, you know, you'll get all over the place. Like one model is saying it's going to get super warm, one saying it's going to get super cold. And uh, you can at least tell what degree of certainty you're going to have going in. Right. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a pretty interesting uh, way to look at it. And, you know, pilots, I mean, they, they kind of rely on that uh, life or death of knowing what they're flying into. So that's a good one. It's called Medio Blue. Uh, definitely worth uh, searching out and keeping handy, uh, especially during race season when we're all trying to be amateur weathermen. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of funny because I remember during the event where uh, the trucks were in town for August, first week of August there, and uh, it was – is it going to rain? Like, I mean, it was so cloudy the whole time and all we had was what, maybe an hour and a bit of, of light drizzle. And it just got that track beautifully in great shape. And then we went racing. It was kind of, and, and it, it looked like it was going to be a complete rain out the whole, whole day, but I had hope and a lot of people had hope. And sometimes hope is all you need. And there was a pilot that was in the pit area. I forget which driver crew guy. He was a pilot and he was like, Oh no, this is blowing over. We're going racing. And everyone told him that he was full of shit. Yeah. And- yeah, he ended up being right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's. Oh well, it worked out good. Sometimes it doesn't, but uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we got a great interview on tap tonight. Uh, you ready to get into it? Yeah, sure. Might as well. Let's do this. Right on. Our next guest on Bench Racing Radio hails from St. Andrews, Manitoba. She started out racing go-karts, eventually moved her way up to the Midwest mods, and has even dabbled in late models a little bit at the time. Welcome to the podcast, Victoria Stutsky. How's it going, Victoria? Hey guys, how's it going? Not bad, how are you? It's going good. We're uh, getting through the COVID times, you know, trying oh, to make yes, the most of it. Struggle. Yeah, it's, uh, 
been a rough winter, but we're, we're getting there. We're getting over that. Yeah, I, it's uh, definitely not fun, especially uh, with school and everything. Yeah, you're doing school remotely still? Mm-hmm. Uh, I... It must be so tempting to just not even... Well, I don't know. It was pretty tempting for me to not go to class in university. So <laughs> I don't know if it's better or worse if you don't have to leave your room. I, yeah. I don't know. The jury's I'm out like, on that one. I'm like the biggest nerd. So like I never miss classes, but... Right. What are you, uh, what are you taking in school? I'm in uh, my fourth year at the University of Manitoba uh, of criminology. I'm in the honors program and then I'm going to be going to law school. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That'll uh, that'll pay for a racing career. <laughs> no kidding, hey. My dad will be happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> that'll just just get you off the payroll just in time for <laughs> your sister, though, and then it'll be all over again. So. Exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, tell us a bit about how you got started racing, and uh, and you know your 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 beginning in that, and uh, and how you got to where you are now. My dad, he made sure I mentioned this. My dad did grow up and he grew up around like uh, BMX racing and dirt bike racing and all that kind of stuff. But uh, so he basically surrounded me with quads and, and snowmobiles growing up. And we always loved NASCAR and stuff. And then um, he actually originally bought me a junior dragster. Before we could even get into that, he met Guy Budel and then he introduced us to the go-kart world. And that's when he bought me my very first go-kart, which was a junior Rotax. So the fast ones, we did four years of that. We did like the first couple of years racing out of our truck. And then we eventually upgraded to that big trailer that we have now. We had it filled with go-karts. And um, <laughs> so I did junior Rotax and I did junior Briggs and Stratton for four years. I ended up winning two championships, one in each class. And then eventually we just kind of grew out of it. You know, I got older. We actually, I took my dad to a dirt track race in Vegas. I, it was the world of outlaw race. We were there for NASCAR, but I took him to the outlaw race and my dad was like, yeah, we got to do this. Like, <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> so then he actually bought me a lightning sprint because I do love my sprint cars. Unfortunately, before we could actually get into that, once again, they stopped racing at, uh, Red River Co-op Speedway. They stopped racing there. So it was just too much for us being rookies to travel out to Greenbush every weekend and stuff to race them. So then my dad met Paul Viert, who uh, just so happened to be selling uh, B-Mod, which was Keelan Kron's. And that's mm -hmm. that was my very first uh, B-Mod. And that's how we got into that. And I was 16 when I switched to dirt. Oh, wow. That's uh, that, that's pretty cool. That's You probably didn't even have your license then, hey? Let me Your think. full license? Mm, I might have. Because I remember doing an interview with like the Winnipeg Free Press, and maybe I didn't. I I don't think I did. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's great. That's funny. One of my questions here was: uh, Did your dad push you into uh, into racing and into the dirt, or was it was it you that was pulling him? Like, come on, we got to go do this. I'd say it was pretty equal because. I remember I've been to the Speedway a few times before we actually bought a car and like I knew like that's what I wanted to do one day. I just never thought it would become a reality. I'm pretty sure if we didn't go to that dirt track race in Vegas that I'd still be racing go-karts maybe. But um, my dad loves it just as much as I do. He he obviously bought his own late model and he really wants to get into it too. So hopefully this summer we have more time for that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you can definitely see the the passion in that uh, that guy when you're out on the track. Oh yeah. yeah. Sometimes I'm glad I can't see it because I know he's going nuts. Yeah, well, I think he like almost got in a fight on the first on one of your first races. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Holy smokes, Rob! This guy cares." Oh yes, that's my dad. Everyone yeah. who knows Rob Stutsky knows uh, he's pretty intense. Although I yeah. kind of I'm kind of a carbon copy of that. What what made you decide to go to the dirt race? Was it just, hey, we're in the area, let's go, Dad, and, and do it? Or were you, like, actually hoping that he would get a response where you'd be like, okay, let's go racing on dirt then? Uh, well, this was in Vegas, and the year prior, me and my aunt, because my aunt always used to take me out to Vegas for the NASCAR weekend. Right. So the year prior, I, me and her actually discovered World of Outlaw Racing before the, uh I took my dad out there. So then the next year I was like, yeah, dad, you got to come out and see this. So <laughs> that's how it kind of all started. Oh, so it was, it was your motivation to try to get him hooked as well then. 
I guess you could say that. Awesome. That's good to hear. And sometimes, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, I know the amount of people that maybe never watched racing before and you take them to a dirt track and, and Red River Cola Speedway is a good example of, of taking someone new to a fairly well-run program, like race program and and have the, the smile on their faces. And it's amazing how many new fans you can pick up when you take them to the racetrack. And uh, obviously your dad was one of them. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Like I remember when... The, re- the most recent time I remember going to Speedway, I was probably like 15 and I went with my uh, go-kart friends and I showed up there in my like Tony Kart race shirt and stuff and I was taking pictures in front of all the cars, like the 88 pier stocks and everything because that was my go-kart number and I was all excited and then uh, and now it's like people do that with me. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's pretty awesome. It's a pretty cool feeling to... Uh... You know, be signing autographs for kids and knowing that they're going home and putting those up on the wall in the bedroom and you know, oh, yeah. really making their day. Yeah, my yeah. very first race, I have a picture of me with a Sharpie in my hand and I signed my first autograph and I didn't even have hero cards. It was just a picture I had ready. <laughs> <laughs> you got into the Midwest Mods and at 16 and, and just went all in and uh, and just started competing in that. So that how, I guess well, how many years is that in the class now for you? Uh, I think I just finished my fifth year. It's been good. It's uh, it's been a really cool progression to watch. You know, starting out as a rookie and learning, and then building up to uh, to running at the front with uh, that's a tough class to run at in Winnipeg. Like the, those are some big grids that you guys are up against. Oh yeah, for sure. And with the car count, like every week, like I'm pretty sure every week this summer we had a B main almost every week. You can you can tell it's a really competitive and full class. Yeah, but definitely a great place to cut your teeth and, and get that experience, though, right? Oh yeah, I think it's it's a great class and I love how you can go anywhere and there's always going to be lots of cars and always someone to race against. Yeah, absolutely. There's no shortage of tracks to travel to with those things. So And I kind of love being the shit show of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes they are, yeah. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they put on a great show. So it's exactly. uh, the classes tend to take turns, I find. Oh yeah, for sure. What's uh what's your most memorable moment from your uh, your rookie season? My rookie season on dirt. Hmm. Mm-hmm. My most memorable. Um, I don't know. I'd say like I know my very first race had a DNF, but the second night out there, like the very first time I ran a feature, I actually had a top ten. I'm pretty sure it was maybe like tenth or something, but like I'd say that's pretty cool. I honestly don't remember much from that year. I guess ha- like. Uh, people coming down to the pits was totally new to me because in go-karting, we didn't have fans. So being out there and having a huge crowd and people come down to your car afterwards and asking for autographs was so surreal to me. And I think that was like the coolest part of it all. So as you, as time went on and you got more competitive and started running near the, the sharp end of the grid, what, uh, what changed? What did you guys change? Like what, what did you change in the way you're approaching the races? Well, we started off with a, the J car and J car was really good. I, I I have like a weird attachment to my race cars and every time I get a new one, I remember my dad bought me a new go-kart one time and I cried. I was like, I do not want to drive this. Like, <laughs> so I got really attached to my race cars. So then we ran the J car for a couple of years and then um, I was like, no, I'm not going to like this new car. My dad bought the Millennium. Holy crap. What a difference. And, <laughs> and that year, I think it was like the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, maybe. Or maybe I got 2018, 2019. Don't remember the exact years, but that transition into that car, it was crazy because I just became so much more confident on the track. And I knew that I wasn't going to be spinning out every second lap. Like I did spin out lots before. And then I got my new car and it was just so awesome to drive. And I got really comfortable in it. And that's when I started to really pick up the speed. And as the years went on, my dad's, of course, learned a lot about the race car. I've learned a lot about the race car. So a bunch of that experience definitely helps. And then um, this last year, we actually upgraded to the MB Custom, and whew, that thing's like heaven on wheels. I've heard those are uh, really good cars. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, my MB definitely worked this year. It was awesome, and I'm excited to see how it works next year. What was your biggest adjustment to go from go-karts into dirt track racing, whether from a, you know, a mentality viewpoint to physical aspect to just in terms of how the car reacts or acts, anything like that? 
surprisingly, I caught on to it really fast. I remember my first practice night out there in the B mod, like back in 2016. I was like, I oh my god, I really don't even know what I'm doing. I I'm pretty sure I stalled an automatic. I'm pretty sure I stalled <laughs> my automatic going out onto the track because I was that nervous. And um, everyone says that uh, being having experience in the go karts really helps on dry slick, and I'm pretty sure it did. Like I was definitely really good at dry slick. Um, back when I first started. So, I mean, besides from only turning left compared to turning right and left in a go-kart, I'd say it was not a bad transition for me. And I know like uh, Ward and Austin, we all got experience with the go-karts too. So they would say the same thing. I don't know. I think it's, uh, I, th- I think having that background definitely helped me in the B-Mod. I, I got used to the racing experience. And then the only thing I really had to, the only thing I really had to like, work on is racing against well definitely older guys i used to, i'm so used to racing against kids and kids in go-karting so we're uh racing with the older guys and just getting used to getting pushed around out there that's something that's definitely been something to work with yeah that's definitely uh definitely something that enters the equation there you've got to be ready to fight for your spot and, and take it not not ask for a green light but uh or not wait for a green light but to just go and and take it when you see the opportunity. It's definitely part of uh, of dirt racing for sure. Yeah, I'd say I'm getting pretty good at that. I mean, I don't know what others would say, but I know that I know how to push my limits and and I'm not going to back off when I know I don't need to, you know? Mhm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And no and we, and we can see that, you know, you you can't compete for uh for wins and and top 3s and top 5s at that level without uh knowing where to draw that line. So that's Yeah, it's exactly. Cool to see. Stuff, Anthony, you want to uh, jump into the first round there? Well, we still got a couple more minutes. I'm going to ask one more question here it, in terms of, okay, so you've done the go-kart to the Midwest Modified. You dabbled in the late model world. What was it like to go from a Midwest Modified to a late model? Um, well, <laughs> it was kind of crazy. The power was insanely different. Uh, you're going down the straightaway and you're like trying to hold the wheel straight, but you really just can't. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I remember my first night out that I think I ran like the final two races of one of the I think it was like 2017 or whatever I ran the final two races and I was actually good I was keeping up with everyone and then I ran the full season in 2018 and I wasn't the greatest definitely had a lot of I don't know I just I was not that good but I mean I did get a lot of seat time and I noticed going back and forth between the cars helped helped in each class. So I did get that experience and I'm thankful for that. And I would love to hop back in the late model and try it again. Cause I feel now with two years out of the late model that I'm going to be more comfortable in it and I'm willing to try it again. Well, that's good to hear. We look forward to having you back out there in the late models again. That'll be pretty sweet. But we're going to move into my favorite segment of bench racing radio. And that is the misfire round. Are you aware of what the misfire round's all about? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. Well, obviously, you're an avid listener. So let's get started. 10 questions. Question number one dry or tacky? Oh, tacky for sure. If you know me, I love Hammer Down. <laughs> <laughs> that, that actually shocks us all. Number two, half empty or half full? Half full. Number three, cats or dogs? Cats. I have a naked cat. Oh my gosh. I love cats. We're going to need a photo of that. <laughs> <laughs> number four escalators or elevators uh escalators elevators you can get stuck in and die <laughs> have you watched one too many horror films about elevators <laughs> i just i'm very like very scared of things <laughs> <laughs> all right number five spicy or sweet mm, i do love spicy food but i do love my chocolates so i'm gonna have to go with both Oh, <laughs> is that not, not allowed? No, there's a reason why we put an or in the middle. Oh my goodness! And I don't mean a paddle. Um, okay, sweet because I really I tried something really spicy the other day and I couldn't handle it. But so I'm gonna go with sweet. Okay, all right. Number six. This is a long one. You're gonna have to listen very carefully. Okay. All right. Beef enchiladas smothered in cheese and red sauce with a side of beans or beef enchiladas smothered in cheese and red sauce with a side of rice? Um, you, but uh, I'm going to go with the rice one because I don't like beans. Okay. Number seven, Dodge or Ford? Neither. Chevy? 
Uh, you don't have these options. <laughs> um. Okay, well, dodge because Ford is... Um, mm. Okay, so I just want to go back here. So before we started recording this, Eric came up with the idea about Dodger Ford. And the reason why was because he said everyone would choose Chevy. So we on purpose didn't include it in there, and you still said Chevy. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's just part of who I am. Okay, okay. We'll forgive you on that one. Number eight, Winnipeg Jets or Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Um, I'm going to have to go with the Blue Bombers. Okay, and number nine, Duck or Turtle? What the heck? Um, Duck, because turtles are slow, and I don't want to be slow on the racetrack. Oh, good, good. And number 10, air conditioning or rolled down windows? Air conditioning. I don't like naughty hair. (laughs) Fair enough. There you have it. That is the misfire round. Thanks so much for playing. That's uh, You've got to be the first go-karter that I've ever talked to, never mind just had on the podcast, that prefers a tacky track over dry. That's uh, That that one caught me off guard. Yeah, so... Back in the day, I was like slick. Of course, I was way better at that. But then again, I didn't really have a lot of experience on the mud. And then me and my dad went to Grand Forks for the first time. And ever since that day, I haven't been able to drive dry slick like I used to. And <laughs> if you put me on a hammer down track, I guarantee you, I will put on a good show. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, everybody loves watching a gasser out there. Just somebody who's going to be on it every lap. It doesn't matter if they're going for the win or if they're fighting for a top 10 it's just way more fun to watch somebody that's hanging it all out there regardless of if they even should or not oh, you know? <laughs> I, I there is no better feeling than having your foot pinned to the floor and like being in grand forks my head gets like slammed against the side of my seat and like i can barely see because my helmet's like up at my chin and like oh it's great <laughs> that's awesome yeah, no, I was the same way starting out as well. I mean, I didn't come from go-karts or anything, but, you know, at first I was more comfortable with dry slick, just focus on being smooth. Mm-hmm. And uh, But eventually you do have to learn how to, and that's still the thing I say is the most difficult or the, the toughest challenge in dirt racing is you have to be able to drive like, you know, in, in my terms, a total gentleman, you know, keep the gloves on nice mm-hmm. and smooth, keep the car straight, don't spin the tires to all the way to the other end of the spectrum where you just need to be a friggin' animal. Oh, yeah, literally. And just back the car in, foot to the floorboards, and just driving it for every ounce that it's worth. When I know that track's going to be tacky and hammer down, I that's when I'm most confident. Like, Although, like, I do know I need to improve and, and be good on dry slick because that's, like, that's like what you – like, those are all the big money races nowadays and stuff yeah. like that. So, like, you need to be good at that. And I, I have been improving on it, which I'm – really happy with like i had some good runs this year so uh i hope i do hope we have more tacky tracks though just saying (laughs) that's funny so one thing i uh i was kind of getting ready for this interview and thinking you know what uh one of the first questions that popped in my mind was some stupid version of well as a girl racer and blah blah (laughs) and then i immediately slapped myself because i said come on like we're better than that i like to think so here at the bench racing radio podcast what's what's your take on that on the whole like do you like people viewing you as as a girl first and a racer second or i mean i I imagine that that would get tiring or or do you see that as a way to to inspire uh, other kids and and girls to uh, to get into the sport what's what's your take on that it depends. I really like using my platform that I am a girl and I do race cars because I do want to encourage people to get out there and, and chase their dreams and do what people think we can't do. I'm all about that. I'm actually the woman's representative on my school council. So I really I really do appreciate my platform that I have to be able to voice that. And um, however, there are times when, when I'm racing and <laughs> – I remember back in Grand Forks, the guy on the headphones was getting a little frustrated with me. And then someone came up to me later that night at a restaurant and was like, yeah, the guy totally thought you were a dude and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. And then when he told them that I was a girl, his like jaw dropped. (laughs) And like, (laughs) like, that's the other part that I love about it. It's like it's like most people don't actually know it's a girl out there until they either like hear your name or come to the pit and see you and stuff. And then that's when it's really fun because then it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a girl. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, 
That, that's awesome. Do you do you find that you get treated the same most of the time, or do you do you see differences with your competitors? Honestly, like I'd say, as much as I want to use it as like they're just picking on me because I'm a girl, it's really not. We all pick on each other every once in a while, and it doesn't matter who you are. When the helmet's on, the helmet's on. We're all out there to win the race, and we're all going to do whatever it takes. So that's the way I look at it. No, that, that's uh, that, that's great. That's kind of what I thought as well. One thing, too, I saw that I, I thought was hilarious. There's a, a YouTube compilation of people asking men, like male pro athletes, questions that female pro athletes have to answer to. <laughs> like some guy putting a mic in Sidney Crosby's face asking, if you could pick anyone in the world to date, who would it be and why? Or like somebody commenting on, uh, on you know, somebody's hair or saying that they've, uh, their figure has changed a little bit and they've put on a couple of pounds and just thought it was, uh, it was pretty hilarious. Have, have you had much, uh, much experience with having to deal with that side of it where people just go like full Cosmo on you and just go that route or no? Uh, no, not really. Like the only kind of, stuff i get like that is like from my racing buddies of course oh yeah when you go when you spend like what three days camping with a bunch of racing dummies yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh, i could see that yeah what day do you get the most like let's say it's it's racing season so you race primarily on thursdays at river Coast speedway um so you run there weekly is there like okay thursday happens your races are done is there like a cool down period for you and just like okay let's relax friday saturday and then start ramping up the excitement and and that kind of bars from like any work you have to do on the car like at what point do you all of a sudden go from okay i'm glad thursday's over to oh my god gosh i can't wait until thursday again Mm, it depends like uh I guess after a Thursday night, it really all depends how that night goes. I guess that kind of sets the tone for the next week. And I mean, if I'm going racing to Grand Forks on the Friday and somewhere on the Saturday, I'm really excited because that like, that doesn't happen too often for me. I don't get to go to the States a lot just because of how busy my dad is and stuff at home. But um, I really start to, I kind of don't really start to get that nervous or anything until like race day actually is here but I do get excited when I know that I don't know sometimes I'll think in my head I'm like okay like I just have this feeling that I'm gonna win and then it doesn't happen but um but I do get that feeling sometimes and I'm like I'm ready I I like on the way to the track I'm like listening to these like motivational podcasts and like rap music and stuff like that and I'm ready to go and then when I get to the track it's like pure nerves and then and then it's probably pure disappointment after that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, for the most part, there's a, there's a good chunk of downtime too. I like to spend my um, weekends. I, I work in the summer, a really fun serving job, and and that's really fun. And then we have a pool now. So I like to hang out at home still when we're not racing and enjoy that time off and then do it all again the next week. What is your primary anxiety, though, or your nervousness when it comes to, to racing on, on race day? Is it uh the nervousness of whether you're gonna win or where you're gonna finish is it the nervousness of possibly getting a wreck is it the nervousness of drawing poorly in the heat race and might not qual i might have to go through the b main if if the track conditions don't help you out too much or the car's off a little bit like what uh is there anything specific that kind of gets to you <laughs> okay before you even like start talking i was like trying to think i was like i don't know that's a good question and then you mentioned the draw and the b main and that's exactly what gets me every time <laughs> like if <laughs> <laughs> like if I see that there's a B main from the instant I get there and I see there's a B main, I'm instantly like, oh my God, like I'm going to be in the B main. Like this is so bad. Like I don't need to ask anyone. I go around. I'm like, so like, do you think I'm going to be in the B main? Like what the heck's going to happen? And like, like, I don't know why, like there's nothing wrong with being in a B main, but I haven't been in a B main in a while. And I'm so proud of that. And then I'm pretty sure I was in like one B main this summer and I was freaking out. Like it was not good. <laughs> definitely starts with the draw and having a bad draw. Definitely definitely makes me the most nervous because I'm like sitting in the in the staging before my heat knowing that I'm starting last and I need to get to the front to make the feature and like oh yeah it's not good that's true you uh, as a racer sitting there watching your class out on the track and you know you didn't blow up or you didn't break you're just you didn't make the show not a very good feeling oh yeah, yeah exactly. it's always it's always a tough one 
Although racing your way into the show and then passing a bunch of cars also feels pretty good. So Oh yeah, you know, exactly. There's... I had that happen this summer when I was in the B main. I'm pretty sure I drove like from fifth or seventh to the to win the B main. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I don't end up in these B mains anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think the B mains have a certain level of uh it's it's its own type of race because it's that last chance and you have just such a wide variety of people that are in it. Oh like yeah, you, for sure. You're, you, you're going to have like a rookie in there that is just learning that you're going to have a veteran one or two, maybe even three veterans who, you know, had a flat tire or something in the heat race and they have to start at the back and they got to make their way all the way through uh, to people who are like intermediate or people who have missed the setup. Um, it's just a whole bunch of people thrown into this last race. And, you know, it could be a complete disaster you're oh, more yeah. often than not in a b-main than let's say a heat race yeah plenty of times b-mains are always disastrous that's why i always want to watch them and not be in them <laughs> yeah but you know what i much prefer to see there be a b-main like a the car counts have been great and that's great for the mm-hmm. sport yeah. but uh b just to to weed out the few guys that shouldn't quite be up there yet because oh there's being, you know, when you've got an ill-handling car and you're stuck in the back and you're racing with a bunch of other ill-handling cars, it's terrifying. Like, it is not oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, like, when I first started out, we had uh, – at Red River Co-op Speedway, there was always B-mains. And I remember I won – I mean, I think I got, like, second in my first B-main. And, like, I wanted to be in those B-mains because, one, that gave me extra practice. Two, I got to race again and fans got to see me out there again. They don't know what a B-main is sometimes. So, like, it's it's yeah. cool. Like, B-mains are, are good for some people and maybe bad for others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they're definitely entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a lot of cautions, it can, it can drag out a little bit. But I'll tell you, nothing – I how many I don't know how many times I've watched a B main, especially at River Call at Speedway, and be like three wide, four wide, <laughs> going oh, yeah, into one sure. and two for the last transfer spot. So you know there is definitely some entertainment value that can come out of a B main, as nerve wracking as it might be for someone like you who you know at one point it sounded like a great idea. Now it's just like let's get into the show. Let's yeah, just, exactly. let's just worry about getting into the show. Exactly. No, that's really good. Well. This segment is a, a little bit longer answered. It's just kind of get an idea of what it's like to be you in the driver's seat. Um, and you can answer as multiple ways, as you mentioned before we started recording this. If you want to answer in multiple different ways, you most certainly can. Take your time. But uh, let's get started with number one. Uh, which driver do you have the most fun racing against? Hmm. This is one of the questions that I have been trying to prepare myself for, and I never seem to have that good of an answer because I would like to to race against some more guys in the States more often, and even the girls, I haven't ever gotten to race against them. But I guess in Winnipeg, I do like racing against Grant Hall on a tacky track for sure. That's always a good time. I know this year, me and him were super close in points, and uh, the hammer down tracks that we had this summer – we were always up there battling it out. So that was really fun. And I uh, used to enjoy racing with Nick Audette. Okay. But you don't anymore? Uh, oh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> All right, it was just the, the timing of it. You can, you can answer that in a different way if you like. <laughs> uh, don't get in her head. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> All right, let's go with number two. What went through your mind the first time you jumped in a car and started your first race? What was on my mind? Yeah. What was what went through your mind when you were like lining up at staging your first heat race on the dirt or even <laughs> go-kart for that matter or both? You can answer this in multiple ways too. What was it? What went through your mind? I'm sure you remember. Oh, well, like in the B-Mod, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to stall this automatic car. It's going to be so embarrassing. I'm pretty sure I did. I, I'm pretty sure I had to start last because I I didn't make it out of staging. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna spin out, blah, 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 blah. I'm gonna I'm gonna crash. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit everyone. And and it, I just yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I think way too far ahead of uh myself. And um usually it's uh I just wanna not embarrass myself. Like I don't know why I'm so concerned about embarrassing myself, but like that's usually what I'm thinking about. Good answer. Number three, if you went three wide with one lap to go, which spot would you prefer to be in? The inside, the middle, or the outside, and why? With three to go? 
With one to go. Oh, with one to go? Three wide. I, I don't know why I said, oh, three wide, one to go. Okay. Um, okay, well, I would like to be on the top because I always feel like the person on top gets that momentum going down, and that's how I always get past because guess where I always am? I'm always on the bottom, so I'm going to say I'm going to be on the bottom. So was that an anti-Ward Emery <laughs> answer? <laughs> um, I mean, I do have his old car. Okay. It's just okay. uh just a ward and thick thing you know yeah yeah no i got you i got you all right number four what do you do in the car just before you drive out of the pit stall before i drive out of the pit stall um my dad gives me a fist bump and kind of like taps my head (laughs) and then uh, i uh get to staging i kind of thumbs up whoever i am feeling nice to and then i say a quick prayer and uh hope for the best are you saying you don't give a thumbs up to everybody? Ah, sometimes you can't. You know, you can't turn your head that far. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Number five, what race would you consider the one that got away? This uh, question is pretty obvious. Pretty sure it's <laughs> going to be the one I uh, won, and then it really got away from me. Yeah, this uh, this was a bad one. I uh, Yesterday I was asking <laughs> for, for photos. I was like, yeah, if you got any pictures, Victory Lane pictures or whatever. <laughs> Without even sense. thinking. I, I didn't like, even think about it. I went, oh, no. I was like, yeah, I have Victory Lane pictures, but they're pretty controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Just have a bunch of uh, angle finders and uh, <laughs> a tech guy. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Hey, my hands are up on this deal. I asked this question in every single one of these, okay? Yeah, Every single that's fair, one. That's fair. I had no plans to change it for anybody here. So, hey, yeah, I'm not guilty <laughs> in anything going on. It's All okay. Right? <laughs> um, what about what about something else? Like, is there any like, is there anything else that you felt might have got away? It doesn't have to be necessarily a, a chance at a win or anything. Is there anything where you felt like you had a car? I mean, I think a great example I can even think of is is the race on the uh, the Prairie, whatever the last race of the season was in 2020. You had a great running car there in the top three, almost all race. Was that the one with the fireworks and everything? I think that was the one. Or was it the one after that? I don't know. It was one of the last two. Um... Yeah, there was a couple at the last there, but I do have one uh, a kind of good answer for this one. Although the season was cut short, I was still managed to uh, maintain like a second in points. And um, going into the last race, I'm pretty sure I was either like nine or thirteen points behind Grant Hall, and I literally calculated. I didn't want to think about this, and like I, I really didn't want to think about it until uh this weekend that weekend was over but i uh may or may not have calculated exactly how many positions i needed to finish ahead of grant hall to win the championship so of course what happens that day is i drew dead last and grant drew drew first so that that was the night i made the b main and like as if right like as if the one night that mattered the most to me like i could have won the championship like as if and um so I was in the B main and I started probably around like 20 something, but I still made it up to a top 10. So, I mean, I'm happy with that, but I, and I did finish second in points. So, I mean, it worked out in the end, but I'd say that was a good one that also got away. Mm, for sure. Well, they, they say you gotta, you gotta lose one first to learn how to win one. So yeah. you got that one out of the way. <laughs> what would you say, you know, other than maybe what we've talked about so far, what, what has been one of the most frustrating race nights that you've ever had? Hmm. A frustrating race night. Ah, that's a lot of them. Um, 2019 was a bad year for that. I struggled a lot, no matter where I was. Um, it also had a lot to do with just my mindset and where I was that year mentally. And just every race was just super negative afterwards for me. You know, there was like this one where uh, there was a big crash right at the start and my car... Uh, we actually had a lot of damage. It was a really expensive fix, and that was just disappointing because, you know, nobody wants to wreck their car like that, and that was probably the worst crash and most damage I've ever had. So I guess that – this was, like, in, like, 2018 maybe? You've you've mentioned in uh, on your Facebook in the past about how much – I think actually might have been a more recent post about how much you really, really want to have that that feature win that just you know is the win that matters the most 
what do you do to pace yourself on a week to week basis to just to focus on that, but then not feel overwhelmed or disappointed if you don't have a shot at winning that race? Because, you know, especially in the even in a shortened season last year, even my own father said that he felt that there were there was a, a huge improvement in your consistency in the car in your driving, it just looked like you're racing with a lot more calm mind. Was there anything that's that's happening in the car that, and then when you're done, when you finish second or third, where you're like, oh man, you know, like it's just, there's another win loss, uh, lost, or is it just like, hey, you know what, we're going somewhere? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess I experienced that quite a bit this year because I feel like I was so close every night. Like every night I was like, okay, like it's just, it's got to happen. Like, come on, I'm, I'm so close. I'm up there and I'm doing really good and it just never happened. And it honestly didn't bother me that much because I was really proud of my consistency this year. So I know that next year I'm going to, or this year, I guess, I'm going to be going into there with that mindset that I'm going to win this year. I mean, I say that every year, but this year, I'm serious. It's going to happen. And, this um, one's the one. <laughs> yeah, this one's the one. And um, I really try not to think about it too much because at first I was like, okay, I, I kind of already had my first win. And then after what happened, I was like, honestly, it's it's not going to matter now. My first win got taken away from me. It, it sucks now. I don't care if I win again. But in reality, I do care. And I know that feeling is going to be just as good. I don't know if I'll cry in my interview again because all that passion got sucked out of me. Mm. But I mean, I know that it's going to be a good one when I do win and that so many people will be proud of me and I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because when we interviewed Rick Delane in episode number one, I believe I asked the question, when you win after, you know, he's been at it for 30 some years, is the most recent win feel as amazing as the first win? And he said, well, the first win, I mean, you're at a whole nother level. But every time you win, it is very close to the same feeling as the first time you won. And he says, when you lose that feeling, <laughs> when you win, that uh, maybe it's time to to hang up the helmet, so to speak, if you don't feel that way when you win, or even just going out and racing, if you don't feel that excited about it, maybe it's time to to hang up the helmet. Would you would you agree with that to an extent, at least in terms of uh, every day when you go racing out there, the energy that you get and the excitement you get and that potential of, of getting that win and how it makes you feel? Oh, yeah, I would totally agree. Like when I did gymnastics, there was two years, my last two years of gymnastics. I won every single competition. And then in go-karting, I was winning races consistently. And I guess when I switched to dirt, I, I didn't expect to obviously win right away, but I also didn't expect it to be five years. So it is hard to take in. But um, I do know that, that yeah, I, I believe that your passion to win is what makes a true racer. And if you're not interested in winning and not passionate about winning, then maybe you just need like to realize like this this is what – the sport is about and you want to you want to gain that passion back and that's the whole point of being out there and racing every night and yeah and what my co-host would would always say if it wasn't for the uh, amazing highs of racing you wouldn't be able to deal with the, the super lows of it um on a, on a week-to-week basis oh yeah exactly yeah no it's, it's absolutely true you know the yeah it's colin kendall who told me that actually colin or his brother is crew chief the highs are high and the lows are low, man. You gotta, you gotta use them both to get there, cause uh, yeah, there doesn't smooth itself out mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, what would you say is your biggest? I'm gonna say what is your. Uh, how would I put it? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go kind of negative again, even though I just kind of had a, a kind of a positive uh, response on that one. Um, what is your biggest pet peeve about going to a racetrack? My biggest pet peeve about going to a racetrack. Yeah. Mm, probably knowing that it's going to be dry slick. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny on this, on this, on the podcasting we've been doing here. It's, it's sometimes, sometimes I feel like I'm asking really silly questions and then people come up with answers like you did. And you realize that's really good. It's <laughs> a really good question. A really good answer. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. And it's, 
I, I was reading, uh, someone had shared something on my Facebook wall about uh, winning a race when it was super tacky and muddy as, and slimy as could be. And, and the individual said, yeah, I, I miss those days when it was like that 400 pounds of mud on the race car. You know, the debate will happen forever in terms of whether dry, you know, whether people like dry, slick or tacky. But I guess at the end of the day, you kind of have to learn to be good at both. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, you're not going to get to choose what it's like and, you're probably not going to get to choose the line you want to run. And there's a whole lot that you don't get to choose. You're, it's all up to you to play the hand you're dealt. Yep. Yeah. You really got to be on the ball. Yeah, so, for sure. So what would you say are your goals for, for 2021 if we have a racing season? Are you still looking at consistency? Or are you really focused on that? If you don't win, you lose type thing? Or or what? what is your plan, really? What are your expectations this year? Is it a points championship, possibly? I mean, being so close last year to the points championship, obviously I have that mindset now that it's like, wow, I I can contend for this championship, but I also don't want to completely focus on that. I really do want to focus on winning that first race and getting that out of the way. And then I know everyone always says after the first one's done, it's just going to keep coming. And I think that's what's going to get me that championship one day. So if I could get that first win out of the way, I think from there, that's when I'm going to really say, okay, now I'm competitive for these wins every day. And that's what I'm going to keep aiming for. I mean, it really is a competitive class to start with. I mean, the, the Wasota Midwest Modifieds in Winnipeg has just so much depth in it. And you see these drivers go to other tracks even before COVID in the States and be successful. Austin Hunter, primary example of that uh, at Grand Forks. So even if you can't get to the States as much as you'd like to because of your dad's work and everything, I think that it's it bodes well for your ability to be consistent in the top five at River Coast Speedway to, to be competitive at other racetracks in the future when you're able to put that time in. So I think it's it's really good for you to be able to take some solace in the fact that you are competing against some really good talent out there. You know, people like Paul Veert, you know, he's won races down in the States here and there. You know, he's been a consistent driver at other racetracks. Um, and of course, there is some talent that comes out of the States to River Coast Speedway uh, and out West as well in the past. So yeah, it's, it's great to see so much competition and, and to see you right amongst it all. Yeah, for sure. D- definitely. I, I just really want that experience on those tracks out in the States and being able to race against guys who are just as good as some of the guys I race against in Winnipeg. Like, mm-hmm. I really want to be good against those guys as well. And I want where I finish in Winnipeg to be similar to where I finish, say, at like I-94 and River City Speedway and everything. No, those are definitely uh, good things to look forward to and and have that opportunity. Hopefully when this border finally opens, I don't know if it's going to happen this summer, but hopefully in the near future. Yeah, it sucks big time. <laughs> yeah. Sure does. So uh, so the long-term goal for you, is it is it late models or sprint cars? What's... Uh, <laughs> What's the long-term plan for you? Sprint cars, my dad would never let me in a million years. <laughs> yeah, but once you're a lawyer, you're going to be able to <laughs> yeah, pay off. And, yeah. You can um, afford – you'd have to be a lawyer to afford a sprint car, I think. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, I would like to try one one day, but uh, I'd say – I guess long-term, I would, I would definitely like to run the late model and be good at that. I would definitely want to try an A mod sometime. I think that would be really neat just to see what – the differences between a late model and a B mod and an A mod. Um, I don't think my dad will ever get into A mod racing, but uh, definitely I'll, I'll, I'll get back in that late model. And uh, I don't want to step up like that fast until I, until I achieve my goals in the Midwest mod for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it was interesting to hear that, you know, you, you've still felt like you were growing your skills a lot, getting to do that. And that's great that you were able to, to have that, uh, that that focus and, and see that personally, because yeah, you, we definitely saw your your results you know, tick up a little bit when you focused just on the the B mod. Yeah, um, which I, I could definitely see. It'd be so hard to drive two different kinds of cars on the same night all the time. Like that's that's mm. tough. That's a whole other skill in itself. Oh yeah, it definitely it wasn't easy because I'd hop in my late model and then I'd hop in my B mod and I'd I'd put the the pin to the floor and I'd be like what the heck why isn't it going more like I was just so weirded out and then I'd go like harder into the corner and then like it, it just like it, in the end it definitely helped both classes helped yeah. me as a better driver and and learn different skills but I do want to stick with that one until I achieve all my goals and then I can move on 
what are some of the ways that you try to connect to your fan base? I guess I really try to like up my social media and, and gain a following on there. So because like I mainly want to to introduce dirt racing to people who have never heard about it. And like mm-hmm. I only have like close to 4,000 followers on like Instagram, but I do love Instagram and I love posting about racing on there so people can see it. Nice. And I and I try and encourage everyone I know to come out there. And I've brought so many people out to the Speedway and they've told me that, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And I love hearing that. So like I try and like use my social media to spread the word and then bring people to the track. And um, I like also like Twitter because Twitter's like people from all over. So then you can build your network and connect with fans from all over. And I did like some t-shirt giveaways and and I wanted to get my teacher t-shirts like out there to different states and everything and just that kind of stuff is cool and then like in Winnipeg I definitely have some really precious fans and I'm so thankful for all the support I have like even the people that I've never really actually gotten the chance to fully talk to like I'm so glad that they go out there and they wear my t-shirts and they cheer me on because honestly there's always going to be those people that don't want the best for you out there and I've had my fair share of experiencing that the people that do cheer for me out there and want to see me succeed are really special to me. And I try and like talk to everyone who comes down to my pit. And sometimes it's so hard because I want to talk to everyone. And I talk mm-hmm. a lot, as you can probably tell. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I like I, I really I do appreciate my fans. I mean, it's weird to call them fans. It's weird saying you have fans, but um, <laughs> yes, you do. You're a race car driver. <laughs> but um, I know whenever I'm like telling someone I race cars and like oh like professionally, I was like I mean I mean like I have fans, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. I, I appreciate all my fans, and I I love when people come down to the pit. And if there's ever an opportunity that people want to sit in my car, like the little kids, like obviously I love that. And, and doing things for the fans like uh, this summer with the little boy Cody who had cancer at the Speedway. My friend reached out to me and she wanted me to collect hero cards for him. And I was like, I'm going to do way more than that for that little boy. And so I ended up collecting like t-shirts, hero cards. Someone donated a helmet from the States. People were donating like side panels and everything. And uh, we ended up that fireworks show, we ended up like contributing it to him. And he was watching us live and I shared some videos of him in the hospital watching and cheering us on. And it was just really great to see. Well, that is awesome. And it's great to hear that too. And engagement is so important in this sport uh, in order to, to garner new fans and to have people keep coming back too. And, you know, that connection to a driver uh, makes a huge difference versus maybe just some random person going to a race and not knowing anybody. If you can make those connections, can make a huge difference in the commitment of that fan in the sport. Yeah, for sure. No, that's great. And, and the whole sport could use more people like that that just get so many people engaged and involved in it. That's uh, that's really awesome. Well, thank you so much to Victoria Stutsky for being a part of Bench Racing Radio. Uh, been a pleasure to have you on this uh, podcast. Uh, Eric, did you have anything else to add? No, thanks so much for coming on. This was fantastic. It was really great to, to get to know you a little bit better and uh, – And yeah, we wish you all the best in next year's racing season, whenever it does start. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I was really looking forward to being on this podcast someday. And um, you guys are doing great. This is awesome. And you guys are definitely contributing to growing the sport as well. So I hope this uh, keeps up and more people hear about it. I'm definitely going to share it everywhere and make people listen to it and hopefully come out to the track this summer. Well, we appreciate you having you here. And we also appreciate each and every one of you for listening week in and week out. Um, it means so much to all of us to have your uh, listening ears on this podcast. But that'll do it for us at Bench Racing Radio. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Bench Racing Radio. Like and follow our social media handles. Facebook at Bench Racing Radio. Twitter at Bench Racing Rat 1. Or Instagram at Bench Racing Radio.